You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine. And today I was going to start a series on love, on faith, hope, and love. But I feel led to share a bit about faith, hope, love, and politics today. I strongly believe as Christians we should be involved in leading our families, communities, and country as we're given the opportunity. I know many of you are very interested in politics and patriotism and really do want us all to be one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. I've also heard many of you share what's wrong with politicians, their positions on the issues, and political parties they represent. And I've heard many of you express the frustration of having to compromise some of your Bible-based convictions to choose political leaders that aren't perfect, but are possibly better than their competition. I know the disappointment and even fear we have when things don't go the way we voted or the way we hoped for. So I remember those group projects in junior high where the grade was the result of other students you were forced to work with. And my grade suffered because of their carelessness and poor decisions Uh, in the eighth grade. uh, All of us, uh, the boys and girls, were required to take uh, industrial arts and home economics one semester of each. Uh, Semester of home ec, a semester of shop class. Uh, One of the guys in my group, in a group project that we were part of, that we were graded on as a group, uh, we were supposed to be making pies, I think it was cherry pies and home economics, put a cup of salt in instead of a cup of sugar. So in the pie, and all four of us got a poor grade and suffered when we took a bite of that pie. Uh, or when the majority vote of a denomination forced me to abandon my good and affordable, and affordable health insurance to be on their very expensive and not so great insurance plan. Another disappointment uh, where uh, the majority vote left me uh, unhappy. So I've heard friends share across the state and country their disappointment with representatives, attorney generals, governors, and presidents who have been elected into office. When the majority of people don't value what I value, then the popular vote leads to much disappointment. But what's even worse is wondering if the voting machines and the mail-in votes have been manipulated. So we've talked about that. So many of us have gotten together and uh, wondered, and uh, it just seems like something's not right with everything that's going on right now with the political vote. So I don't know who or what to believe these days. Only God knows what is really going on, and he knows the hearts and motives of those people who are supposed to be representing us. But I do know that God is still in control, and he wants us as a church to stay focused and to stay unified. The church is not the place to cancel your brother or your sister in Christ because they don't see things your way. So as I think and pray, as I, as I think about it and as I prayed about it, let me share seven things that I think are important for us to remember right now uh, in the current season, uh, the current situation that we are in. Number one, number one, we are to love God first and then love our neighbor. We are to love God first and then love our neighbor. Jesus said, uh, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
We need to love our neighbors. We need to love those people around us. We need to love our classmates, our coworkers. We need to show them Christ's love. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that they stand for, everything that they say. But in love, uh, we want to seek to understand why they think the way they do, why they believe the way they do, why they vote the way we do. Um, you know, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, The first to state his case seems right until another comes along and cross-examines him. So the first to state his case seems right. So uh, first we hear the story from one side, then we hear it from another So some of us might have been um, led to believe things that are true. And other people around us may have been led to believe things that aren't true. Hopefully we look at things with a biblical perspective, with a biblical worldview, and we take scripture and we filter what goes on in society and moral choices and things like that through what God's word says. And that often gives us a different result than those people that are not familiar with God's word, those people that don't care about God's word. And as time has gone on, uh, people have certain experiences that uh, cloud their judgment or change the way they view things. Uh, I'm an example of that. Uh, When I was a kid, we lived in downtown Minneapolis and downtown Denver. And I didn't think it was the greatest experience. And so I choose to live out in these uh, suburban or rural communities. I really like it living in a place where it's peaceful and quiet and not so crowded and not so busy. Uh, However, I see a lot of the kids in town talk about how they can't wait to get out of this small town and move to the big city. And part of me is like, why? But it's just an example of of how we have different perspectives on things. So if we truly love our neighbor, when we are having a discussion about politics or issues, we will ask, why do, you, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? What do you think will be the results of that? And so we should have a conversation, a discussion, and try to figure out where people are at on things. So I come out with my opinions, and then I hear someone else's perspective. And often I walk away and think to myself, well, I don't agree with you, but I do understand why you think that way. So anyway, um, love your neighbor's But love God first of all. Love God first of all. Do all you can to uh, live in such a way that you are loving God first and then loving others, loving your neighbors. All right. And even if you totally disagree and totally dislike each other and your neighbor is not your neighbor but your enemy, or your coworker is not your neighbor but your enemy, or your political leader has turned into your enemy. Jesus says that we're supposed to love our enemies, to love and to pray for our enemies. Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. It is a fact of life that there are evil people out there. And they are our enemies. And Jesus tells us to pray for them and to try to show them love. Uh, That doesn't mean that we have to approve of everything they do. That doesn't mean that we have to come alongside them and support them and say, Oh, I disagreed, but I'm supposed to love you. So yay, yay for you. No, um, but we should show them God's love. We should care for them. We should do what we can, even though they are our enemies. And you know, so many times uh, when we show Christ's love to those people that we would consider our enemies, as time goes on, they soften. As time goes on, 
they change and their view changes. So I had a tree in my front yard and the wind ripped it in two. So the where the branches split, uh, the limbs of the tree just got ripped in half and left this big gap. And so I had to take the tree down. So the tree got cut down and I was hoping that uh, a stump guy would come out, grind up the stump and get rid of it. Uh, but turns out that that stump is right next to the gas line, the natural gas line. And the stump guy is like, too dangerous, not going to cut that with a saw. So I looked online and I saw that you could soften uh, the stump, the wood in the stump up with salt. So I drilled a bunch of holes in it in the winter and put a bunch of salt, Epsom salt in there, put some water in there, covered it up, and then came back in the spring and then uh, started uh, beating on it and chopping it with an ax uh, and other things that I could do to try to get it out. And I got most of the stump out. I had softened up because of the salt and we are called to be light. We are called to be salt. And sometimes that salt can soften up even the hardest hearts. Jesus can uh, use us in other people's lives, even though we don't particularly see eye to eye. Uh, we see them as enemies, even enemies of the cross, but we are to show them uh, love because Jesus said so. Number three, Jesus expects his followers to live together in unity and love. Jesus said that people will know we are Jesus' disciples by the way we show them love and by the way we show each other love. So when we get along, then people are like, that's unusual. That's amazing. That's something that I want to be part of. Uh, who wants to become part of a church where people are fighting and backbiting and uh, not getting along? But when people see how we care for each other, even when we don't agree, even when we're not on the same economic level, then that is amazing. So one thing that I've seen in life is somebody that was what I would consider um, rich and powerful, able to uh, make things happen and had the money to do it, uh, working side by side on a church committee with a school custodian uh, who was not as rich and powerful. And you wouldn't even be able to tell there is a difference in their status in life because they were united as brothers in Christ. And uh, it's an awesome thing to see. And that's the way that the church should be. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you and I need to get along. You and I need to care about each other, even if we don't agree politically, even if we don't agree with uh, certain things that uh, are outside of bi clear biblical teaching. So um, on the other hand, there are certain things that are so heretical, so dangerous that uh, uh, we're told that we need to put those people outside of the church. Um, but I don't think that we have a big issue with people inside of the church uh, teaching bad doctrine or trying to uh, be wolves among the sheep or, or whatever. I think that we have a bigger issue with people who are quick to not like each other, uh, quick to distance themselves from people they don't get along with. Uh, sometimes people in the church, in my experience, uh, have maybe they didn't think it through, but it almost seemed like they were using people. So I remember years ago, my wife and I, we started going to this church and this couple invited us over. They're, this young, they're about our age at the time. Uh, they had younger kids too, and they invited us over. And it was interesting that they were into bodybuilding. That was different. But anyway, so we we're visiting with them at their house and it was all great. 
But then the sales presentation came and it was, they wanted us to help uh, sell in this uh, pyramid marketing thing, uh, sell product and everything. And when we said that we weren't really interested in that, then they never called us again in the church. And that was just so weird. So uh, I don't know, like you use people. So really think about that. I think about, you know, not only how do you treat people, but how do they perceive the way that you treat them? And then try to do better. Try to show them love. Try to show them love as Jesus has loved us. You know, another thing about love is that Jesus is extremely forgiving with us. Uh, we are not perfect, and he shows love and forgiveness, and we need to do that too. So Jesus prayed for us to have unity and made it clear that his disciples won't fit in with the world. So won't fit in with the world. Uh, the reason that the world system doesn't feel right is because it's not right for the Christ follower. So John 17, this is kind of long, but John 17, verse 9 to 24 Jesus, he's about to go to the cross. He knows that uh, his time is about up, and he's praying to the Father uh, for his disciples and for those who would come after. And here's what he prays. Jesus prays. John 17, verse 9 to 24, Jesus says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, you have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus came, he taught us how to live, then he went to the cross, he died, he paid for our sins, he rose again, ascended into heaven, he intercedes for us, he cares about us, he offers a personal relationship with us and forgiveness, and assures us heaven and promises to come back soon for us. At just the right time, he will return. And we need to be thinking about that. That is the perspective we have. This world that we live in is temporary. This nation that we live in, it's one nation under God. Uh, a great opportunity we've had to have freedom, to live for Jesus and to share Jesus. Uh, many things are wonderful about this country in we, which we live. And hopefully it will stay that way. 
but it's temporary. These bodies that we have are temporary. So we look forward to eternity with Jesus and all that comes after that. But Jesus makes it clear that you and I need to love one another, that you and I need to be unified, that the church needs to care for each other, and that uh, the political system, the world, and all that it has and offers or uh, we think that it offers is just temporary. So uh, really need to, to think about that. So number four, number four, number four, without love, we are nothing. Without love, we are nothing. That's actually what I was planning on talking about today. So I'm going to talk more about it in coming weeks. But First Corinthians 13 talks about love. And it says, Paul writes, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels and didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You know that old saying that uh, people don't care as much that people don't care about what you know until they know that you care is so true. Uh, when you're sharing what you believe, when you're sharing your viewpoint, when you're sharing how you feel about political candidates and political uh, positions and all of that stuff, when you're sharing about Jesus, people want to know first of all that you care about them. So try to understand where they're coming from. Know that we're all in a process. Some people are far from God. Uh, Some people are closer to God. Uh, We're all in process. To have patience, to show love, to show kindness, to show grace as uh, you try to help them see Jesus, first of all. Uh, Come to Jesus and then uh, grow in their faith. And as they grow in their faith, as they spend more time in God's word, as they mature as a Christ follower, then maybe some of the things that you hold dearly, they will hold dearly. So if you really want to change the popular vote, if you really want to change the way that people think about things, uh, maybe, I mean, sometimes protests are helpful, but maybe more uh, making disciples, sharing your faith, investing in kids, in children's ministry, in youth ministry. Uh, that's the way to change the world. So uh, back to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 4, about love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I'll stop there. Anyway, we need to love. Jesus told us to love. Uh, Love makes a difference. Uh, We are nothing without love. And so when we don't show Christ's love, then the things that we attempt to do to serve Christ aren't very effective. So I guess you could say that when it comes to making a difference in the world, love is the secret sauce. So what what does Jesus say love is? Is it just a feeling? Is it just being nice to people? Sometimes I think we're too nice. Uh, There was a time when I was sitting at a restaurant with somebody and uh, he was upset that his grandfather died and was pretty sure that he had never received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and uh, couldn't comprehend, uh, couldn't deal with the thought that his grandpa could spend eternity separated from God in hell because he didn't believe upon Jesus. And so in the conversation, I think I was overly nice. I probably should have just quoted 
what the Bible says? Um, I'm not really sure. So part of me is like, well, you know, I don't want to lose this friendship or whatever. I did anyway. So I was being nice. So either way, I was bound to lose that one. But really, what does Jesus say love is? So I think that we're supposed to speak the truth in love, but I think we're to do it um, kindly, graciously, patiently, to try to help them get understanding, help other people get understanding. And then here's what Jesus says love is. First John 15, 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus says, if you obey my commandments... Uh, that's one thing that shows that you love, love Jesus and living for Jesus is a way to love others. So if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So Jesus says that if we truly love him, we're going to follow his commandments. We're going to do what he says, and we're going to follow his will. And he says, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you friends. So because we know what his will is, that uh, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, to give his life a ransom for many so that many will be saved. Jesus came to teach us how to live and to prepare us to spend eternity with him, uh, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has a plan for our lives, and he wants us to follow it. And sometimes that means that we are going to make sacrifices. Sometimes that means that we're going to set aside our priority, our priorities for the good of others. Sometimes that means that we are going to uh, slow down or even set aside our agenda so that Jesus can use us to make a difference in other people's lives. Number five, we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. So back in Paul's day, uh, citizenship in the Roman Empire was a big deal. So it brought privilege. Uh, I guess here too, uh, many of us take our uh, American citizenship for granted, though some disgruntled people supposedly are been, have been trying to exchange their citizenship and go become Canadians, eh? But Philippians 3.20, uh, Paul writes, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are just temporary residents here in this world. We are, uh, the Bible says, strangers and aliens on this earth. Not aliens like E.T. or Mork from Orc or Alf or whatever. Pick your, pick your alien. Uh, it's, we don't belong here. We belong uh, with Jesus in heaven. Like I said, this is just temporary here. But we should do all that we can to make a difference as we have opportunity. So if you have an opportunity to be on the school board or the city council, or if you have the opportunity to be the attorney general or the governor or the president of the United States, you should go for it. So if God opens the door and you rely on him, you should totally go for it. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved. I'm just saying that we need to set our sights on heaven and know that that is our ultimate 
destiny. And also to know when things don't go the way that we want here in the United States of America, that we can be reminded of that, that God's working out his plan and this isn't our eternal home. So anyway, Galatians 2.20 says, Paul writes, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's how we just need to live each day. I don't know um, if the things that we fear are going to come true. Uh, coming persecution, uh, taking away our rights as Christians, or putting us in jail because we didn't agree with the, with the latest politically correct terms for gender or no gender, uh, all these other things. So we need to trust that if Christ lives in us, that he will care for us, that he will provide for us, that he will protect us, that he will help us, that he will encourage us as we go from day to day, even as the end times uh, come around and difficulties come, uh, we can trust that Jesus will give us the strength to get through it, that the Holy Spirit will help us not only to endure, but to encourage others and to evangelize and to make a difference. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan who offered him uh, the kingdoms of the world. Uh, God is ultimately in control, but Satan has a lot of influence over those kingdoms. And if it wasn't a real offer, I don't think that we would read about it in the Bible. So uh, right now, God has allowed Satan to have dominion over those people that reject him. And if we look at our society now, and we look at how we kicked God out of the schools and universities, and how we've done everything we can to uh, silence the teaching of Scripture, or at least people in our society have, uh, what do we expect? No wonder we can't find any great political leaders that we can want to follow wholeheartedly. Uh, So many times I hear people um, saying how they follow um, this particular, uh, or they voted for this particular political leader, uh, because uh, they were offered two bad choices, so they tried to uh, choose the uh, less of the bad choices. So tried to choose the one that was just a little better than the other. But listen to Ephesians 2.2. It says, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. How many people is that? How many people in a city or a state or a country or in the world are those rebellious people who refuse to obey God that are the devil's puppets to carry out uh, his desire to uh, separate us from God, to keep us from being saved, to keep us from uh, carrying out Jesus' will to make disciples and to make a difference in the world? Um, used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. If we look at a lot of our problems today, if we look at a lot of, at a lot of things that are causing uh, the biggest troubles, um, and we look at people killing babies, uh, sex trafficking, slavery, uh, all those things, um, it's not godly in any way. Uh, never has been. Number six, I am almost done, I promise. Number six, we are ambassadors for Christ on this earth. We are ambassadors. Yes, we're citizens of heaven, and we are strangers and aliens on the earth. We're outsiders, we're foreigners, but we are ambassadors for Christ on this earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. 
we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So what does an ambassador do? An ambassador lives in another country and represents their country. I'm sure that a good ambassador has a lot of uh, care and love for the people in the country that he serves as an ambassador. I'm sure that he... um, makes himself accessible. I'm sure he learns about their culture. I'm sure he participates in their events. I'm sure he's not, uh, you know, standoffish and um, hostile. So (laughs) ambassadors should not be hanging out in other countries trying to start wars. Instead, they are um, kind. They reach out. They uh, share the best about their country and do all they can to help there to be good relations between, between the two. And that's what we're to be as ministers of reconciliation, to bring lost people to Jesus, to help them to understand what true faith is and to help them understand why we hold to these values. So again, share your testimony. Share your testimony as often as you can. Share about how you used to be before you heard about Jesus, before you got saved. And then the process or the uh, what you went through, how you got saved, and then what your life has been like since. So that's your testimony. That is a good thing. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And in 1 John five eleven, we read, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence you have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you have Jesus? Can you say that you have Jesus in your life? Whoever has the Son of God, whoever has Jesus has life, has eternal life. Do you have Jesus? Would you like Jesus today? Uh, To have Jesus today, one, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner, be willing to turn from your sin and ask Jesus into your life. Uh, A great way to do that is praying something like this. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us know if you did that so we can give you some resources to help you to grow in, in the Christian life. All right, number seven, last point, and then I'm done, I promise, is we should make the most of every opportunity. We should make the most of every opportunity while we have time here on this earth. Ephesians 5.15, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we should do all that we can to uh, use our lives wisely, to use our time wisely, to make sure that we don't get distracted on secondary issues, but we focus on Christ's will for our life. We focus on uh, things that really matter uh, for eternity. First uh, Timothy 2.1 says that we should pray for leaders, for people in authority. First Timothy 2.1, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. So we should pray. We should pray that they're successful. We should pray that they would humble themselves before God and seek his wisdom and his favor. 
you know, people uh, can have all sorts of um, political aspirations and ambitions and motives and agendas, and God can totally change that. So in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his step. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. You know, maybe they could humble themselves and pray like Solomon did when he had an opportunity, when he was about to become king after his father David, uh, that he would have wisdom to rule God's people, that God would help him, that God would use him. Uh, Hopefully our political leaders and even our president-elect person uh, would uh, be praying and asking God to help, and that would change Uh, the things that might have been on his agenda that aren't best for our country, aren't best for our nation, Uh, that there could be unity, that there could be peace, that somehow we could find a way to um, not uh, be ripped apart as a country or ripped apart as a church. Uh, So many people think that the government is the solution for everything. So they want big government and big checks. They want the government to do everything for them. Um, But... uh, Former President Gerald Ford said, a government big enough to give you everything you want is a government big enough to take from you everything you have. So you got to think about that. Really think about that. And um, anyway, so next week, I'm going to talk more about love. But let me just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for whoever's watching this. Lord, I pray for unity in our church. I pray for unity in our state. I pray for unity in our country. I pray for peaceful times and not war with other nations. Lord, I pray that people would come to their senses and follow after you. Lord, I pray that this virus would go away, that you would heal the sick, that you would provide for those who are poor, that you would give jobs back to those who have been forced not to work because of the COVID closures. Lord, we pray that there would be health and healing and that people would use their freedoms wisely. Jesus, we pray that you'd provide River Rock Church with a building, with a place to meet. Lord, we pray that you would... uh, Bless those who give to support us uh, in every way uh, with financial blessings and um, just joy and peace, Lord. I just thank you uh, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, uh, River Rock Church is fully supported by those who care about River Rock Church. So you can give online at riverrockchurch.com slash give or mail your offering to P.O. Box 184, Bell Plain, Minnesota, 56011. We're starting to... Uh, get together again uh, with our life groups. So you can find out information about that, riverrockchurch.com slash groups. And we have other messages online and also uh, on audio. So video and audio. And you can see all the different places you can find those at riverrockchurch.com slash media or riverrockchurch.com slash watch or riverrockchurch.com slash listen. We would love to pray for you and hear how God is answering your prayers. Uh, riverrockchurch.com slash pray. You get the point there. There's a lot of stuff at riverrockchurch.com. So um, anyway, I hope that you have an awesome week. I hope that uh, the news doesn't have uh, so many disappointing things in it uh, this coming week as it did last week, and that you would make the most oper- most of every opportunity to live and serve, to live for and to serve Jesus, and that um, at the end of your days, you'll be glad that Jesus gave you an opportunity to know him and to serve him and that you will experience eternal rewards for it. Anyway, I've said enough. Have a great week. 
You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.